Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, my friend, and welcome to Catch Up with Louise Makshari. If it's your first time listening, hello and welcome. If you're a return listener, hello and welcome back. I hope you had a super week. Um, my week was fine, uh, busy. Uh, had a busy weekend with the kids. Gordon was away in Barcelona, which was tough for me because I love Barcelona. And I tend to be a jealous person. I mean, look, I just, I am who I am. But uh, he had a great time and we had a great time here as well. I've also been pretty flat out with work stuff of late, which is a good thing, obviously. Um, You know, it's funny, it's been a year now since, just over a year since everything went down for me with my previous job. I don't know why I'm being like kind of coy about that since my contract was not renewed abruptly at RTE um, and it's been really nice to reflect on the fact that I am you know totally my own entity now and totally in charge of my career and people ask me sometimes you know or sometimes assume that I would, you know, I'm kind of dying to go back to radio or I'm looking for another radio job and I'm very much not. Um, I'm really loving just being in charge of my own life and my own career and not having to rely on anyone else to, um, you know, give me an opportunity. I can just create the opportunities for myself and I'm feeling very grateful for the fact that I live in a time where technology means you can do that and also as I as I always say so grateful to you because if I didn't have people listening and um, kind of taking an interest in the work that I do then I wouldn't be self-sufficient um so yeah you're the best basically I love you forever and thank you so much um another exciting kind of professional thing that happened for me recently was I did a photo shoot uh, for the cover of Irish Country magazine um which I was really excited about like I've done I've been on the cover of magazines before which in itself is a very strange uh, phrase to say um I did a good few RTE guide covers when I was with RTE but the one magazine in Ireland that I've always been like oh I'd love to I'd love to do that is Irish Country magazine because first of all I really like the magazine 
Second of all, I really like the team who work on the magazine. And thirdly, the covers are always really gorgeous. Um, so I actually haven't seen it yet. Um, so I don't know what it looks like. But by the time you're listening to this uh, tomorrow, it's Thursday now, I think the cover will be out. So, you know, let's just fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed continues in the long tradition of gorgeous Irish country magazine covers. In fairness, the team who I worked with on the day of the shoot were amazing. Photographer was amazing. Stylist was amazing. Makeup was amazing. Hair was amazing. Everybody was amazing. Um, so yeah, uh, if you see it out and about, it's out next week. Um, do pick one up because I would be really embarrassed, really embarrassed if they asked me to be on the cover and then nobody bought it. You know, they'd be like, oh, well, we won't have old Louise do anything like this again. Um, and you know, it's funny because like, you know, I'm not in this job to be on magazine covers or whatever. Um, and I don't like love having my photograph taken or whatever, but I do love dressing up. And I do think often that when I was growing up, there wasn't anyone who was like any body type that wasn't kind of, you know, very thin on magazine covers uh, ever. And it would have meant an awful lot to me to see someone look beautiful or cool or stylish or whatever in a magazine, let alone on the cover. Um, so anytime I get an opportunity like this, even though I sometimes feel a little bit awkward and self-conscious, I try and push that aside because um, it's a great thing to get a chance to do something like this and to to show other people in similar body types that they don't have to limit themselves. And that might sound a bit like, you know, kind of up myself or whatever. That's not at all what I'm trying to say. I think what I mean is when I was a teenager in a bigger body and, you know, I wasn't, you know, I was much smaller than I am now. But when I was a teenager in a bigger body, there's a lot of stuff I never even tried doing because I thought, well, I can't do that because I'm fat. Um, and not just like, you know, I don't know, things that involved wearing a swimsuit or whatever, like entire facets of career that I just assumed I could never do. You know, I never, one of the reasons I think that I loved radio, I mean, I do genuinely love radio, but I think one of the reasons I liked it was because, it, you know, your appearance wasn't part of it then. Now your appearance is part of everything because we have social media, but like at that time it wasn't. Um, so I do think that these things really matter. You know, I, you know, I can tell you the names of all of the famous people in bigger bodies that when I was a teenager, because I was absolutely locked onto them and their success and how they were doing it despite their bodies, because I felt like my body was such a big problem. So yeah, so anyway, in short, I'm very grateful to have the opportunity to do things like this when they happen. I'm especially grateful to have had the opportunity to do Irish Country Magazine, because as I said, I just hold them in such esteem. And um, if you would pick it up as a personal favor to me, I would be eternally grateful. And dear God, I can't wait to see these photos. Um, it's very exciting all around. Anyway, I have been babbling for a very long time and we've got much to talk about because of course the whole point of this podcast is to catch you up on the week, what's been going on in the terms of news and entertainment and um, also, you know, to speak to someone who's got something interesting going on. This week is Trans Awareness Week, uh, so I thought it was a good opportunity to speak to Aoife Martin um, who is, uh, uh, as she calls herself, an accidental activist um, in terms of trans rights. And um, I had a great chat with her this morning. So that will be coming up shortly. But first, let's catch up with the news. Even more a political correspondent with the 
Irish, oh God, I nearly said Irish Examiner. Aoife Moore, political correspondent with the Sunday Times Ireland. Welcome once again to the podcast. Thank you Thank very you. much. Thank you so much for giving us your beautiful time. Um, we've got lots to talk about, so we might as well just get stuck in. I won't lie, it's it's not exactly bright this week, but there is a is little strange bright spot somewhat at the end. Um, but we will start, I think, with the story that has been on lots of our minds and hearts this week, which is, of course, the very sad death of Vicky Phelan. Yeah, um, so I believe that everyone in Ireland knows who Vicky Phelan is. Yeah. Um, and to be quite honest, we should not know Vicky Phelan's name. Mm. Um, Vicky Phelan died on Monday night, um, or in, on Sunday night, sorry, Monday morning. She was 48. She um, is the reason that we know about the cervical check scandal. So I would just like to say that a number of people have messaged me in the last couple of days and said, you know, I don't really understand the cervical check scandal and I do think there is a lot of confusion about mm. it um what happens when you get a, a smear test is they send your slides away to a lab someone looks at those slides and decides if there's cancer or not cancer this is a very layman's terms but this mm. is how it works there was an audit done and it was found that a number hundreds actually of slides of Irish women's smear tests were misread things get misread there is human error in medical testing mm. that was not the issue the issue was the audit was done and the patients were not told in time. Mm. So then women found out later that doc- the doctors or the lab had known and not told them. Uh, so Vicky found out that she, in 2011, she had a smear, which later showed that she had cancer. And they didn't think there was any way for her to be treated because it had gone on for so long. Mm. Vicky took a case and she won 2.5 million euro um, but going to the courts was a massive risk for her mm. she was offered money beforehand um, she was taking the HSE and a lab in Texas to court and but they said we'll settle with you we'll give you X amount of money but you need to sign a non-disclosure agreement so no one ever knows that this happened mm-hmm. Vicky took the risk and said absolutely not I'm not signing that let's go to court yeah. She went to court, she settled for 2.5 million and she told everyone and anyone who would listen to her about what happened. Mm-hmm. It later came out that over 220, somewhere around now 300 women, mm. slides had been misread and they weren't told. We know um, that around 30 of them have died since and mm. even more sadly, one of them was only a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Lindsay Bennett was 34 when she died. Mm. In the time since... Vicky has become, had become a national hero. Um, she was on everything from podcast to the late late. She wrote a book. She helped found the two two one plus group, who was a support group for women involved. Mm. She was also a mommy. She has two teenage kids mm. and a husband who she's left behind. Mm. Um, she advocated for people like Ruth Morrissey, who also died at thirty nine. Emma Vicfahuna, who also died in her thirties, mm. and. A full report was done then on the back of Vicky's revelations called the Scali Report, which went through a number of recommendations, many of which have been implemented by the government in order to make cervical check safer for women. Mm. And the last thing that she wanted, and it was repeated everywhere on every Instagram story and every Twitter post this week, was Vicky's speech when Ruth died, was Mm. that she didn't want accolades, she didn't want celebrations, she didn't want kind words from politicians. Mm. She wanted action and she wanted change. And the change that she wanted was there's a new law going through 
the doll, but it has taken an obscene amount of time and still hasn't been passed. But this law would ensure open disclosure that if there was a medical issue, the doctors had to inform their patients. Mm. So at the moment, as things stands, we still don't have that. Mm-hmm. So the government have said this week, in light of Vicky's death, because sometimes they just need to be embarrassed and they're doing things, mm. that they will try and do it by the end of the year. Yeah. So that open disclosure in medical issues can be brought in. Because the reason that these doctors did not tell their patients was because they didn't have to. Yeah. And that's why these people are dead now. It is not... There's a lot of confusion about cervical check. Everyone should go get their smears. You yeah. need to get your smear. Um, but it's not about the smears because misreading happens. That's what happens in medicine. It's not exact. Yeah. But it's the telling people when the mistake was made. Yeah. Is the important thing. Um, if you're unclear on any of this, the Vicky Feeling documentary does a really, really good job of spelling it all out. Um, now, I think it's it's not easy to find at the moment because it's kind of between cinemas and being released on demand, I think. I think they'll probably put it on TV in light of what but happened But yeah, I would imagine it'll be you'll be able to see it soon. Um, I'm sure they're sorting that out as we speak. Um, and I would recommend that you watch it if you don't know the ins and outs of this because it does lay it out very clearly and what you really what really comes across from Vicky's life and from the documentary is you know she didn't have to do any any of what she did in terms of activism like she could have gone to court gotten her settlement spoken out and then left it there and you know she she knew although I know that she really was determined to live but she knew there was a possibility that she didn't have a lot of time and she could Mm -hmm. have chosen to spend that time with her family and you know traveling the world or whatever it is she wanted to do but instead Mm -hmm. she chose to fight for other women and she chose to sacrifice even more of her life than she'd already lost to make sure that other women were well represented and that other women's lives weren't put at risk in this way and that is an unbelievably generous thing to do when your time is potentially limited and I just have so much respect for her and I know that everyone across the country is feeling the exact mm-hmm. same um, and I, I was just so sad to hear that her life had come to an end but I hope I just hope that her kids know how meaningful her life was and I'm sure they know how meaningful Mm -hmm. it was to them Uh, she was their mom Mm -hmm. like of course but that you know she did so much with her years Mm -hmm. and made such an impact on so many other people's lives and I hope that that brings them some comfort although I can't imagine that it does right now Um, yeah but it will yeah hopefully Okay, so uh, moving on seems like Ukraine accidentally uh, bombed Poland yeah, so um, there was a huge amount of panic um, because there was at first reports was that Russia had bombed Poland, which is an EU member state. Yeah, um, the borders Ukraine. Um, two people have sadly died, um, which I think keeps getting lost in this. Um, two people have died uh, uh, near the Polish border when a missile uh, landed there. Mm. Um, it now very much appears from everything that we. Avirin, it's actually was a Ukrainian air defense missile that went astray. Now, mm. no one is blaming Ukraine. What they're saying is like there are missiles flying about every which way. Mm. And this is something that unfortunately happens. Kiev is still denying this. You know, the Ukrainian defense ministry has put out and said, you know, it's it's not us. But from everything that we have heard from Poland and American investigative uh, teams who are on the site, 
um it, it does appear that it was it was a ukrainian missile but it was an accident this is what happened i heard um the polish ambassador was on the radio this morning saying you know no one is pointing the finger at ukraine here because the the blame very much here like still lays with russia yeah um and Ukraine has not asked could they have observers on the scene. So there's Polish and American investigators on the scene at the moment, but Ukraine wants to send theirs as well, which yeah. is fair enough. Fair it enough, does appear yeah. that they're going to let that happen. Yeah. Um, people are very panicked, very emotional. Obviously, Zelensky was very, you know, it wasn't us, mm. but it very much appears that it was, but it was an accident. Mm. Um, and now in the back of this, um, Russia is shelling huge huge parts of ukraine today mm. um they have um control of one percent of luhansk um so there's it, it's it's ongoing and then mm. russia is getting more and more frantic and we've just seen this week that actually yesterday on wednesday 52 irish government officials have now been sanctioned by russia and will not be allowed to enter russia that's leo Vragor, michael martin However, there isn't a full list. We haven't got the 52 names. So everyone was running around all air yesterday trying to work out if they had been banned from Russia. Um, there have been calls to expel the Russian ambassador to Ireland. Um, the government is still saying we're not going to do that. Um, diplomacy is, is important. But mm. and this isn't like the opposition. This is opposition, Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil, backbenchers are saying we need to, there's still i believe 28 people working in the russian embassy mm. um and there is questions over what they're doing there and people want them expelled considering if there's now 52 irish officials sanctioned by yeah russia then uh they are kind of saying listen you know we have to fight fire with fire but so far the government has been very very remiss to do that God, it's just like how long are we gonna like is this gonna go on for that the russians are just gonna like what are we i don't know what are we waiting for i'm no so ukraine has taken you know, huge swathes back i know of, I, which is of their country which so is incredible one, yeah um and I, there had been some talks during the week that russia may be open to direct negotiations which is definitely new yeah. um but like they you're still carrying out, you know, huge mass strikes in Odessa and other mm. places. So they're not giving up just yet. It's wild. OK, um, let's move on. Speaking of wild, uh, Donald Trump. <laughs> you know, the reason I wanted to talk about this is because it feels different this time to me. Um, mm. Donald Trump has announced his intention to run for president again, uh, which is comes as a shock to absolutely no one. Um, but it does feel like he's not being taken as seriously this time. Yeah, so Donald Trump said that he was going to run for the Republican presidential nomination in 2024. Mm. Um, one quick fact check of his speech where he announced his presidency included 20 false and misleading claims. He gathered a crowd at Mar-a-Lago in Florida where he lives um, and said that he was going to make America great again. He said that um, this will not be my campaign. It will be our campaign altogether. Mm. Um, that the Republican Party cannot nominate, cannot afford to nominate a politician or a conventional candidate if they want to win back the White House. This man was literally the president. Mm. Um, and it comes after the Republicans had a really, really bad day out in the midterms. We talked about this last yeah. week. They were expecting a red wave. It never appeared. Yeah, Many of the people that Trump backed and encouraged in the elections did not win their seats. 
former Vice President Mike Pence has said that he will not be voting for Donald Trump mm. in the next uh, convention. I mean, to be fair, the man nearly got him killed, so fair. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> A lot of Republicans are saying, you know, this is now the third set of elections that Trump will have lost for them. Yeah. Um, he lost the midterms when he was the president. Then he lost the presidency. Now he, they've lost these midterms. He does not one can't. He does not one votes for them anymore. Mm. And it does appear that the Florida governor Ron DeSantis is the main man they've kind of picked who would run against Trump in a Republican primary. Ron DeSantis is also I was going to say very also awful right wing right wing gun toting. Uh, Republican who has an A grade, an A grade from the National Rifle Association and an F from the National Human Rights Watch. Mm. So we have him to look forward to. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a feeling now that Trump should exit the stage, that the Republican Party has moved on. He does not want them any votes and they are not very excited about this at all. Now, don't get me wrong. There's still a huge base for Trump in America. Yeah. You know, they're that QAnon uh, right wing evangelical christians mm-hmm. who will back trump but it is just not anywhere near what it was the last time yeah and even ivanka has said she w- she's not gonna have anything to yes, do with it this time ivanka, around who is obviously trying to really be rehabilitate her image after promoting a man who said that all mexicans were rapists now he has decided that this is too much um so i can't swear on this but bore off ivanka <laughs> <laughs> you can't swear I, I, yeah, she should just fuck off. Yes, Sorry. that's absolutely fine. I'll just mark the episode explicit. No problem. Um, okay, moving on. And um, this was a troubling survey that was carried out by Belong to this week. Well, it was the results were came out this week that three quarters of LGBTQ plus students feel unsafe at school. Is it bad that I was shocked by this? I really thought kids no, were better I was than us. Too, yeah, I was shocked too. Three quor- three quarters of LGBTQ plus students feel unsafe at school. Uh, the 2022 school climate survey found that 76% of LGBTQ students say they do not feel safe, 69% that they've heard homophobic remarks from other students, and 58 said they've heard homophobic remarks from school staff. That's, like, um, so devastating. A third of them said they skipped school to avoid negative treatment. And one of them, there's a quote that says, a big part of my depression in life has been since I found out that it was gay and they hate themselves. They used to pray that they were normal. Mm. They've named bathrooms, PE, sports facilities, locker rooms and lunchrooms as spaces that they are most likely to avoid. Um, however, the only real positive was that 99% of them said they knew at least one staff member in school who was supportive of them. Mm. Um, the CEO belonged to Mel- uh, Manina Monique. Griffith. Manina Griffith said that she believes there's a wider problem because we've witnessed the rollback of LGBTQ rights internationally, mm. um, the growth of the far right, you know, hate crimes. We've seen that ourselves in Dublin mm. recently. Yeah. Um, and that she reckons it's part of a bigger problem. Mm. Um, but it, I was really shocked. I really thought younger kids were a lot more progressive. Like we, when I was at school, people would use gay as like a negative yeah. term or derogatory term. Yeah, me too. But I really thought that was kind of on its way out with, with the younger generation, but obviously not. Yeah, I think so too. I, I, I felt the same. I was disappointed. I wasn't shocked. I was disappointed. And I think, I mean, first of all, like... You know, when you're in school as a as a teen or as a as a child, like you know how vicious other kids can be. Like they'll mm. like they can they'll slag you off for literally anything. So I suppose, you know, that's 
in that context, I can understand that maybe it might be happening, but it's just not acceptable. And really, if anything, I think it shows that we have to, we can't be um, kind of lazy about this. Like we need to still mm. be very forthright in our assertion of kind of equal rights and fair treatment for for gay people you know everywhere mm. in our life because all of this stuff kind of you know filters down and and does end up affecting kids and you know mm-hmm. those of us who are raising kids need to be making really really sure that they know that it's never acceptable to slack someone for their sexuality or their gender identity or whatever um, and and mm-hmm. that not only that but that they need to be actively supporting people who yeah. you know might otherwise be vulnerable um it's the same what we say to men as well it's not enough for you to be supportive it's yeah. it's you have to stand in when your friends are yeah. you know acting up and it's not enough to say well I don't bully gay people it's if you see someone using derogatory language or you see someone bullying someone yeah. because of sexuality you have to say that's yeah. not all yeah yeah and you know I appreciate that that's not always the easiest thing to do when you're no. a kid but especially when you're a we need to be aiming for like yeah. embarrassing debrief yeah exactly this is the problem <laughs> yeah okay and um, let's finish up by talking about Steve Jobs Birkenstocks I hate this. So do I. I hate this. That's why I wanted to talk about it because I hate it too. It's disgusting. It's and so di- weird. Not only not only disgusting in capitalism, but disgusting yes, as in physically unsanitary. <laughs> like <laughs> uh, a suede pair of Birkenstock sandals worn by Apple founder Steve Jobs for twenty years, sold this week for two hundred and twenty thousand dollars at auction. It, like. You know, I would imagine a lot of people who listen to this podcast own a pair of Birkenstocks, right? Yes. So you know what they like? They're like, they have a cork foot bed yeah. that absorbs sweat and they fucking stink. Then they, it says the cork foot bed returns the imprint of Steve's job's feet, yes. which had been shaped after years of use. This is the thing. So, so as you said, it's disgusting in two ways. I mean, first of all, that someone thinks a good use of their money, $220,000, is to buy a pair of Steve Jobs' old falling apart Birkenstocks. Like, what are you even going to do that? Like, like, what is the point of that? But then also, they are so hideous looking and they have absorbed the sweat and dead skin like, Stop. oh, it's so gross. Why? I would like to say, right, I love Birkenstocks. I think Me too. they're really cool, very comfortable, big fan. That's obviously why our friend Steve was wearing them. I really just think $220,000 in this day and age. It's criminal. It is. It's awful. It's it's disgusting capitalism. It's a waste of money. Mm. I don't think Steve Jobs would have wanted this. No. I just feel like it's pretty it's pretty revolting uh, in, in all senses. I, I find like if you want to keep people's things from, you know, like important people in history. Absolutely. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. But it's the fact that you would spend this insane amount of money to own a pair of shoes by the fellow who invented the nano. Yes. Yes. I mean, I agree with every word you've said. Every word. Like, I actually quite like Steve Jobs from all I put up. He was a nice fella. But, like, I just... Ugh. I just hate stuff like this. I agree. Well, on spend that your note... money. If you have nothing to spend your money on, give it to charity. Well, yes. I wholeheartedly agree okay well i'm off to (laughs) go and buy dolly parton's um toenails and uh i'll i'll talk to you later it would be stunning in fairness they would be um even more political correspondent at the sunday times ireland thank you very much bye 
Aoife Martin is a trans woman and a trans rights advocate or accidental activist, as she calls herself. Um, she is a columnist for the journal.ie and she also loves books and runs a book club and has many other facets to her personality. But today I wanted to talk to her in the context of Trans Awareness Week, um, which this week was, leading up to Trans Day of Remembrance, which is on Sunday. Um, Aoife is brilliant and so articulate and I really hope you enjoy this chat. Aoife Martin um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, I thought it was it was time, I suppose, to chat to you because this week is Trans Awareness Week and I saw you posting about it earlier this week. And I've seen kind of some interesting discourse around Trans Awareness Week and I thought it might be interesting to hear from you on on what it is, I suppose, what it means to you and what you would like people to take from it. Yeah, I mean, I think there's two sort of stories. Sorry. So first of all, thank you for asking me on. It's, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Well, thank um, you. So I think there's um, there's sort of two schools of thought. I mean, Trans Awareness Week always sort of leads up to Trans Day of Remembrance, which is sort of the day when we remember, um, you know, trans people who have who have gone, who have passed away, mm-hmm. you know, either you know by suicide or you know who have been murdered or 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 whatever you know so it does lead to this sort of you know melancholic day i suppose yeah. um but also there's this little thought where you know trans women's week should be about raising raising up trans people and, and celebrating trans people you mm-hmm. know so i think it's probably a combination of both just depending on where people are at at that moment in time yeah and and what does it mean to you um, to me, I think it's an opportunity to raise awareness of issues facing trans people. So I'm more on the um, glass half empty side of the fence, I think, mm-hmm. um, when it comes to issues. Um, and I think it's important to raise awareness of the issues that, that trans people face every day. You know, yeah. you know, we are a small, a very small minority um, within the larger population. But, mm. you know, the things that affect the larger population affect us disproportionately like i'm yeah. talking about things like um you know unemployment um healthcare issues mental health issues mm. suicide all those things that you know the, the general population have to worry about um we have to worry about too but it affects us a lot more because we are such a small and vulnerable community yeah um you mentioned there that you're kind of the glass half empty end of the stick but i can completely understand that particularly in the climate now because it has become so hostile um for for you and your community um and it almost feels like it's come out of nowhere to me um now you probably have a different perspective on it but to me it feels like a problem has been created all of a sudden um for no reason like I can't really make sense of it so I can understand why you would feel maybe a little negative about things at the moment because it's not a great time is it no it's not I mean like you said you know the atmosphere out there is quite toxic towards Mm. trans people um and I like that you said that it seems to have been created. And I think that that's just a perfect description because this has come from seemingly nowhere. I mean, mm. the roots have been in sort of, you know, we've seen it happen in other countries. We've seen it happen in the UK, particularly yes. in the US at the moment. And it's starting to creep in over here, yeah. you know. So, you know, and a lot of it is around, um, I think a lot of it happened because you know, once we got marriage equality, 
you know, certain right wing um, groups w- went right. Who can we target now? Like, how can we, mm. you know, how can we pursue our agenda? And mm. um, with self ID coming in, so mm. with the Gender Recognition Act, people thought, oh, there's the perfect opportunity to, you know, to demonize this this, this minority group and mm. to to get our agenda there. You know, so mm. I think that that's where it's coming from. Mm. Um, I'm very very disappointed that it is. Um, seeping into the media here. Yeah. Um, I thought you we were a bit more au fait and a bit more, we had a bit more cop on. Yeah. But, you know, obviously, you know, the media is only interested in, in clicks and ad revenue. And, you know, yeah. so we've seen lots of attacks on the trans community from certain, you know, certain media organizations and certain newspapers in this country. And, yeah, it has been very, very disappointing to see, you know, because yeah. I, I thought we would be better that, I, yeah, I thought we were smarter than that. And and I say yeah. that like I you know, look, I write for a newspaper um and I have written about this stuff um obviously, you know, in support of trans rights, but you know, I've seen some of the awful things that have been published and I can only imagine what it must be like, you know, for you and your community. And I think it's interesting, you know, your your point earlier about the fact that you you were we're talking about a very small minority here. Um it just seems so like, I mean, if you look at it just logically, like, you know, to become so obsessed and for the interests of this small community to suddenly be so important that it's being written about and spoken about constantly, you know, I, I agree with you. The only explanation I could possibly come up with is that it is a click thing. Um, and, and you know, that that it is that kind of right wing group who are looking for, you know, new footing, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the really disappointing thing is that, um, you know, where are the trans voices in all of this? You know, er everybody likes to talk about the trans community and talk over the trans community and think they know um, about the trans community. But we we never see the trans voices out there. Like, Mm. I'm lucky in that I have a space in the journal to to write about trans issues. But from what I can see, I'm the only trans person out there who has that sort of a space. You yeah. know, um, you know, wh- why aren't why aren't these newspapers talking to actual trans people? Yeah. And we're now in a situation where trans people are reluctant to talk to the media. If 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 somebody from the media was to reach out to a trans person, I would imagine most trans people would be reluctant to speak to them because of of what the media has been doing to trans people yeah um like i was approached by channel four recently they're doing a documentary about trans issues and about the gender recognition act here and i just said no i'm not absolutely no way am i getting <laughs> involved in that because yeah. you don't know how the media you know, especially with television you don't yeah. know how it's going to be edited you don't yeah. know what the slant is going to be yeah and you go, you don't know how you're going to be be portrayed so yeah i think a lot of trans people would be very very reluctant now to, to talk to the yeah. media yeah, it is understandable because, you know, at the end of the day, you have to protect yourself. For example, I was once mm. asked to go on Good Morning Britain to talk about being a fat woman with Piers Morgan. And you better believe I said no to that immediately because, <laughs> you know, we're not going to put ourselves in these vulnerable <laughs> positions where we know it's all going to go wrong. Um, yeah, I think um, I think that's a good point about you know, trans voices. And I'm interested to know kind of how do you feel about being an advocate? Um, is that a role that you would like to get rid of? Like, I mean, presumably in a perfect world, you would need to be an advocate. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of a double-edged sword. I mean, um, you know, I 
I consider myself very lucky in in that I have a platform mm. and that I can get my voice out there. Mm. Um, I've always sort of called myself um, an accidental yeah. advocate or an accidental activist because yeah. it's not something I ever dreamed would happen. It's not something I ever intended to happen. It mm. just happened because of the stuff I was doing online on so in social media talking about trans issues. Yeah. Um, but you know. I wish I didn't have to do that. And there are times where I just need to step away and I have stepped away. I'm just, yeah. you know, not involved myself in anything because I just need to, to look after myself and look after my mental health. Yeah. But, you know, it, it was interesting because, um, you know, last Friday I did an event for the Dublin Book Festival where mm. I interviewed um, Louise O'Neill mm. and Sophie White mm-hmm. um, in front of a live audience. And it was just so nice to do something where it didn't, revolve around me being trans yeah my being trans never came into it it was yeah. just me because because i have a love of books because i i run a, a book club and yeah. um and i sometimes write about books and mm. um, i was just asked to do to do this event just as somebody who loves books mm. not because i'm trans but just because you know i love books so that's where we need to get to yeah where, where being trans isn't the whole story issue where it's yeah. Like, yeah it's just you know yes i'm trans yes it's part of who i am it's how i engage with the world sometimes yeah. and it's how the world sort of engages with me but you know we are so much more than that yeah and you know we i think you know we we need to see trans people doing stuff that doesn't revolve around their transness because yes. you know being trans is only a small part of who i am yeah know? Yeah, it's funny. That's a conversation that I've had with so many activists over the years, Um, you know, whether they're trans or whether it's about race or, you know, any other factor. Um, when people feel they have no choice but to talk about issues that face their community, but equally just are begging to be seen as a full, fully formed human being with like multifacets or a multifaceted human being. And I, I completely get that. Um. But I suppose the reason that you don't have a choice currently is because there are still so many things to be fixed and sorted out. And, you know, your voice is vital, as you say, because there aren't enough trans voices in this conversation currently in Ireland. Um, I saw you posted an infographic yesterday on your uh, Instagram and it was one of those like two pie charts. And one of them was like what what people think, you know, are trans issues and what are the real the real issues trans people face. And, you know, the, the initial one basically suggested that people think it's all about toilets um and I recalled myself on my own Instagram a conversation I had with a a British writer where I you know I said you know kind of asked her what her position was on the conversation around trans rights in the UK at that time and she said well it's all about toilets isn't it and I was like furious (laughs) because she was kind of joking and I was like well no and you know it isn't and I know it isn't and why do we keep distilling it down to this so for anyone who's listening who might think it's all about toilets. Um, could you maybe explain why it's so much more than that? Oh, that's that's the big question. You know, I mean, but I think, you know, the reason people think it's all about toilets is because that's what that's where the focus has been. Yeah. You know, that's it that's a simple message to get across to your to your audience. Go, oh, you know, scary sort of trans people in toilets, you yeah. know. Um and you know, it sort of demonizes trans people and it, it makes us, you know, it's it's suggesting that we're predators and yeah. that we're, you know, the reason that we're trans, the reason we transitioned is so we can access toilets, which is just, you know, it's absolutely ridiculous. You know, yeah. it is, it's, you know, it's just scaremongering, you know. Mm. So, 
but there you know there is so much more out there that needs to be fixed yeah. you know you have this bunch of people focusing on trans people and focusing on their genitals and you have trans people in toilets you know and the world is burning around us is this really what you want to be fighting about mm-hmm. is this really where you want to be focusing your energy when you know we have so many things that need to be fixed mm-hmm. and there's so many issues that the trans people that trans people face like healthcare is a huge issue in this country for trans people yeah you know we you know, we have a national gender service in Lockenstein and, you know, the waiting list there now is something like seven or eight years, you know, and it's just, um, it's just so, so difficult to, you know, for a trans person to access hormones, something that a cisgender woman can go to their GP and say, you know, I'm feeling bleh, I need some hormone treatment and the GP will write a prescription. Yeah. Trans person has to go through the national gender for service, wait whatever is now seven or eight years, and then have to be psychologically assessed yeah. before they will get a prescription for HRT. You know, the simplest thing that everybody else in the community can get. Yeah. We can't. You know, for I mean, trans person, seven or eight like, years, it's yeah. inhumane. Yeah. Because, I mean, I have, I have from conversations I've had with trans people and from what I've read and, you know, to survive those seven or eight years really struggling um, with your gender identity, I can imagine is excruciating. And for some people, maybe life threatening. Um, it is. Um, I mean, you know, let's be honest here. Some people have got gotten off that waiting list by by taking their own lives. You know, yeah. they, we have lost members of the community. Yeah. From that waiting list for that very reason. So it is. It is that serious. You know. Um, and then you know, accessing surgery in this country is extremely difficult, extremely onerous. You know. Um. You know, we you know we have to be sent abroad because you know we obviously we like sending our problematic women abroad. It's something we do in this country very well. <laughs> but um, you know, it's um, it it is it is a big issue. Mm. You know, um, and you know, which is why you see so many fundraisers on social media, um, because trans people just just can't wait that long and yeah. need to raise funds to access the healthcare that they need in other countries. You know, and we need to do something to try and fix that, you know. What can we do as allies to support the trans community? Um, that's that's always a good question. Um, you know, I think you know things like this help. So you know, raising raising trans issues, raising trans voices, listening to trans people. I think yeah. that's probably the most important thing at the moment. And um, yeah. I feel that's not happening. Mm-hmm. Certainly not within the media anyway. Mm. You know, um, people talk about and over trans people. Um, so we're constantly pathologized. And, you know, we, we have a lack of agency, I feel, you mm-hmm. know, um, like I consider myself one of the lucky ones. Like I have a job, I can put food on the table, I have a roof over my head. Mm. Um, I have access to healthcare uh, through my employer, and we, we have a very, very good system with uh, our insurance company. Um, and I'm very, very lucky. Um, mm. So I have that. But, you know, the vast majority of trans people don't have that, you know. So I think we need to listen, to, you know, to trans people. We need to raise their voices and, and just call this stuff out, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, Aoife, thank you so much. A very enlightening conversation and thank you for all the work that you do. And I really do hope that at some stage you can stop doing it um, and just talk about books or whatever else it is that that you want to talk about. (laughs) Um, Thanks a million. I really appreciate you giving me my time, giving me your time even. Jeez.
<laughs> Thank you it's so much. It's been pleasure. Thank you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Now it's time to catch up on the world of entertainment. What's been going on this week? There were Grammy nominations. Dolly Parton got given $100 million. And Pete Davidson is apparently in another relationship. I would suggest maybe he should just spend some time single. But like, I mean, look, that's just me putting it out there. Um, here to discuss it is Esther Umar Donahue. Well, Esther Umar Donahue, it is just a delight to be back in your office once again to discuss the events of the week. And um, really... Uh, it, it comes as no surprise to me that once again we are speaking about Pete Davidson's love life. Uh huh. Yes. Well, I saw I saw a tweet on Twitter during the week. It said someone needs to pay Ariana Grande a finder's fee. Yeah. I mean, there were there were extraordinary women before her. I think but that was Jen Gannon. She's oh, right. was it? It yeah. was Jen Gannon. <laughs> I Fair play, so. Jen Gannon. That was very good. But um, I because he just and he's had extraordinary women before Ariana Grande, but she kind of put him brought him to the pop culture fore in a way that mm-hmm. he wasn't known you know he was a maybe a who for some people he was now them yeah so now and there was fresh photos on the Daily Mail which of course I don't look at but somehow it's always open on my laptop (laughs) this morning um, of him and Amrata the first official sighting so it seems like because there was rumours for a long time about Amrata and Brad and there was like we never got actually got a visual on it but now we have a visual they're going out so we know Pete Davidson has dated like Kim K, Ariana, Kate Beckinsale, Phoebe Dibner from Bridget and Cassie David, Larry David's daughter, also a woman in her own world, does great things. But I don't think people would know who Cassie David is on the, on the, yeah. on the, she's large. a who. She's a, she's yeah. definitely a who if you watch or listen to Who Weekly. Um, and I but, feel like I should be getting advertising money from Who Weekly at this stage. We talk about it so often. Yeah. It's such a good podcast. And the greatest thrill when Louise's voice came up one day and I was like, a <laughs> goal. Get to the WhatsApp, quickly. It's Louise. Louise is on the radio. But in my phone. It was very exciting. Anyway, but it's very, as you know, in in, in Hollywood or these kind of circles, it's very incestuous because I did some super sleuthing because as you know, I'm a part-time amateur detective. Yes. Um, And there was a photo in March 2020 of Pete Davison and M. Radda's ex, Sebastian Bear Cloud or Claire, what's his name? Claire. Anyway, at a basketball game in Madison Square Garden. Mm. So, and I knew they knew each other because I think he, um, Emrata's ex is production company 
is worked with Robert Pattinson. Anyway, they all know each other basically. And then he seems to be sneaking out with Emirata. So, um, and last year when she was still married and um, Pete was, I don't know if he was with Kim at the time, but anyway, he was on Seth Meyers. She was on Seth Meyers promoting her book, My Body. And she was like, kind of, yeah, it's mostly men who don't understand why women would want to get a date Pete Davidson. She said, I mean, he seems super charming. He's vulnerable. He's lovely. His fingernail polish is awesome. He looks good. He's great. Great, great relationship with his mother. We love it. She was in a happy relationship at the time. He was with someone else. And now a year later, she's, they're together. Apparently. Yeah, it's funny. I think men really struggle to understand, and obviously <laughs> we're not all men, hashtag, etc. Yes. But like men really struggle to understand this kind of attraction because a lot of men are kind of very focused on the aesthetic initially. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm not saying that there isn't more to their attraction to to women and straight men, really, we're talking about here. I'm not saying there isn't more to the attraction. Um, but like initially, the aesthetic is very important, I think, for most men. Yeah. Um, and, or a lot of men. Well, when yeah, Whereas I think, women, I think are it's it's less about that. Oh yeah, I I think so. I like, think so. It's all part of it. You can get both at the same time, but you know. But well, that's the dream, obviously. That's the dream. But um, but he's obviously well, we know well. Allegedly, we know we got something going on. But he <laughs> seems like a nice. A bit. She said it. Look, and she and now we now we and said now it. it. Thank you. And now, but I thought it was interesting that um, and also the fact that she, um. Emily, our good friend Emily said, good relationship with his mother. And that seems to be like, and that's something pretty, maybe, I don't know, maybe not all men would kind of consider, but she yeah. kind of, that's something the fact she's taken to yeah. play. He seems like a sweet person. He could be a raging asshole. And maybe that's yeah. why the relationships kind of burn bright and burn out. We Doesn't don't seem know. like it though, could be because usually his exes have nothing but good things to say about him. But also in this week's um, Kardashians, it's kind of awkward because Kim and also Emirata have posed together and their friends and photos if Pete is featured heavily in this week's um, Ooh, is Kardashian he? episode well according to a website I looked at I don't know the Daily Mail or whatever <laughs> and, and she's going on gushing like are you so handsome and da 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 and it's like awkward you know if whenever they find themselves in the bathroom stall Emirata and Kim K posing again but sure look everybody knows everyone in Hollywood you know what I mean yeah and, and like I'd, I'd like to think that if I had a nice relationship <laughs> with someone and we had a nice time and it came to kind of a natural end, as it seems like Kim and Pete's did. Yeah. You know, uh, that I'd want, you know, who like cares? enjoy him. Enjoy. Yeah, <laughs> off we go. Enjoy this time. Yeah, I had a great time with him. It's like when you give a friend a dress that you loved, but you've just worn enough. You know, there you go. Have fun. Pete's like the Hollywood go-to little black dress with yes. BDE. That's exactly. And LBD with BDE. Okay, and that's EOMD and LMS saying that, so you can take that to the bridge, sister and brother. Let's go. <laughs> take that to the bridge. I um, okay, now next up, we want to talk. You know, in obviously this is entertaining because it's Joe Lysett, but it's quite serious as well. So Joe Lysett, comedian, is taking on David Beckham in the context of the Qatar World Cup. Yes, something I will not be watching, no. regardless. Um, so David Beckman. Beckham. Dave Beckham. The thing about Dave Beckham is David Beckham. Who was the person I got wrong the last time? I kept saying his name. I, I can't. Remember. Chris Pine. Chris Pines. Chris Pines. His name's Chris Pines, Louise. It, it is now. It is now. Uh, David Beckham. God Beckham. <laughs> got ten million to be an ambassador for the World Cup in Qatar. Who does not have? Who's his? To say they're anti-LGBTQ plus community is um, putting it very mildly. And this, 
so he got offered 10 million. Now, Joe Lysett, who's a comedian, who's kind of known, one of his shticks is kind of like he writes to councils and makes these complaints. And yeah. he gets caught up. He just takes the letters at face value and then he shows the correspondence between them. So now he's kind of challenged David Beckham to drop his 10 million pound partnership with the World Cup and he will then donate 10,000 pounds to a um, queer charity. Uh, but if he doesn't drop his ambassadorship, David Beckham, he's going to... Uh, burn or shred the the money and and it's and it's so ridiculous it's just it's such a tiny amount of money in yeah. comparison to the 10 million and in comparison to David Beckham's fortune he's just trying to make a point yeah and he's kind of given him a, a, a deadline if by you know if by sundown that you don't um acknowledge me engaging correspondence mm. da, da, da. um and of course David there's Beckham, been nothing there's been nothing um and I think this is what I you know I mean look David Beckham, he queued for, you know. I know, got sent to He'd, he'd got the PR, so he tweaked with his little, you know, uh, Peaky Blinders hat, queuing in the queue. What a great man. And now he's doing this. And you wonder, like, at what point, how much money do you need? I just don't understand that element of it. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, it's not like David Beckham is stuck for money. Like, and David ten, Beckham... And 10 million in relation to his overall fortune is nothing. Well, I did hear that 10 million is actually underselling it. And apparently it's a lot more money. But still, it's the same way. And I bring this up all the time. It's the same way I can't understand the Kardashians doing those tacky competitions where they're sitting on their steps with like bags and cash. Like, like, uh, why do you not have enough money? Like, why can you not say no to that? Like, and I'm not saying that people should, well, actually, I I do believe that people should stop trying to make more money once they, once they reach a certain level of richness or should like start using that money for good things. But anyway, you know, fine, like continue to, to earn, but like be a bit more fucking yeah I'm gonna say fucking discerning oh yeah like like what are you doing Strange. aside from the, and we've talked about it on the podcast and I'm sure we, I haven't recorded with Aoife yet for this episode but I'm sure earlier in this very episode we talked about it but like you know it's 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 thousands of people dying immigrant workers dying in the building for Qatar it's all of their human rights issues, um, you know, especially with the LGBT community. And it's also, um, you know, literally this week, there was a Dutch reporter who was like interrupted, you know, reporting from Qatar by Qatari officials. Like it's, it's, you know, it's everything about it is, is toxic and wrong. And I don't know how David Beckham can possibly be convincing himself. Like, how can he be? I know he's not the smartest man in the world, but how can he possibly be convincing himself that this is right? Yeah, it's it's very strange, and I mean, I think it's you know Joe's Joe Lice is being you know deliberately facetious, and he's yeah. it, it, it's the, the it, it is funny. He's, he said I, in the, one of his letters, he said I don't really I don't really want a national treasure that has historically supported the LGBTQ plus community to publicly endorse and advertise a nation state that has an appalling human rights record and has the death penalty for gays uh, come old fashioned and I mean <laughs> David Beckham has sort of court I mean he was maybe he was an ally he appeared on Attitude probably before it was he did yeah it was a big it was, deal I wouldn't accept it was not the word, but it wasn't mainstream. Yeah, no, you didn't have footballers in gay because, magazines. You know, he had, you know, I'm sure he had PR handlers and saying, you know, whatever. He married, and then as Joe Lysett makes the point, you married Victoria Beckham. You married a Spice Girl. You've reached the zenith of like the peak of. Yeah, he said it's the most gay thing you can do. Yeah. And it's, just, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. But then you see, you just wonder there's. What other dealings are going on behind the scenes? Is the busy doing this because of something else? I don't know. Yeah. And we are not privy to that, but it. 
it's 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 gross. And, yeah, it is um, gross. I agree. It's and and, and I suppose, and you know, I don't think Joe expects or expects him to get back to him, but he's sort of still keeping it out there, the awareness that look what he's doing, and this is not a good thing. And yeah. don't let it just kind of slip into it when the matches start. No, and, and he's right. Yeah, yeah, let's like you know, let's let's call these people for what they're actually doing, and it's not just him; it's all of the people who are going to go and perform at the opening ceremony. As far as I'm concerned, any celebrity who's going to benefit, any famous rich person who's going to benefit from going to Qatar and performing or taking part has blood on their hands and that is how I actually feel um okay next up uh let's talk about I'm a celeb briefly um because a couple of interesting instances this week first just a little catch-up we talked on the podcast before about Olivia Atwood uh leaving the show under kind of mysterious medical you know reasons and it turns out she was anemic like not very interesting at all yeah dangerously anemic and I guess insurance wise, they probably just couldn't take the risk because she could have fainted and there would have been a, food would be restricted or whatever. Yeah. So they were like on the plane. Um, but she went to, took to Instagram stories, TG, thanked her fans for the support. And she teased that something bigger and better will be happening. Besties, I honestly don't think, I absolutely hate that. You hate I besties? Hate I hate it too, yeah. When people, you don't know them. It's so strange. I don't know. This false, like, intimacy, I guess. I think it kind of started as a joke and now it's become mainstream. I'm not aware of Olivia. um, Oh, no, I don't mean specific to Olivia. I mean in general. Okay. I think it started saying kind of with irony, but (laughs) it's lost all irony now. Besties, I honestly don't think words will ever be able to explain my gratitude for your love and support over the last couple of weeks. I mean, just get a couple of packets of gal for iron supplements <laughs> and you'll be fine. But she, I mean, and I hope she still gets her fee. I hope that worked out. I think she will. I, I think that the, the issue she said was that she'd been tested before they went. Like they did loads of medical tests before they went and her test results were fine. She took a test that day and, and it was like all these low levels. And then they took her to the, to the emergency room because they mm. were so low and they did another test and they were fine. So she was like, I'm fine. Like it was just this weird, fluke but because there was a question of it yeah for insurance reasons or whatever she couldn't go back in and did you watch her on Love Island because I'm like yes. this. and was she a goodie or a she was brilliant extremely no nonsense straight down the lens kind of at the start of the season I think people were like not sure about this one but by the end we all loved her and you see now this is why I think she's a lot we wish she would have gone in because she said her pals her besties, her real life besties admitted Olivia would have gutted Mr. Hancock like a fish. Yeah, and I rage and we didn't see that. So that would be good because I am not watching I'm a Celebrity but it seems like from what I'm getting from, again, the laptop being open, the Daily Mail, um, that they're not really being confronted and it's kind of this jolly like to be honest it's tricky like I I said last week on the podcast and I still feel that he should never have gone in there because it puts everyone in a very awkward position because at the end of the day exactly if you're spending all day every day with someone and they're being entirely pleasant it's very hard in real life I know like I feel sorry for kind of and I don't I'm not a particular fan of Chris Moyles but Chris Moyles said the other night um, he was like you know like the Matt Hancock who did all that stuff isn't it's hard to keep that connected to the man who's like sitting beside me yeah kind of asking me questions about my life like you can't how do you continuously be a dick to someone who's being pleasant in your Mm -hmm. interactions with them even when you know that Mm -hmm. they've been you know that they've made huge mistakes and terrible decisions I think that I think they've all been put in a very difficult position actually yeah but obviously people are still mad because this week COVID campaigners flew a plane across the camp <clears throat> yes, okay, campaign groups 38 degrees and COVID-19 bereaved families for justice. Uh, they posted photos of a banner that they flew over the I'm a Celebrity um, little compound, which read COVID bereaved say get out of here. 
And uh, of course, that was in protest against Matt Hancock, who was he- health secretary at the height of the pandemic. So in a statement, Lobby Anacola from COVID-19 Bereaved Families for Justice, who lost his father th- to the disease, said, Matt Hancock isn't a celebrity. He's the former health secretary who oversaw the UK having one of the highest death tolls in the world from COVID-19 whilst breaking his own lockdown rules. And it must be so, it's like so it's kind of distasteful. It's so, it is, no, it's not kind of, it's distasteful and it's inappropriate and it's like, yeah. he's a, he's meant to be a politician and a civil servant and it's like, what are you doing? And he, you know, and his, his, and <coughs> just from an entertainment perspective, it's ruining the show. Like, yeah, no, no, boo, Matt Hancock. No, I want to see Boy George eat a caterpillar's bum. I don't want to see Matt Hancock. I mean, we did see that. And to be honest, it was a little disappointing. He just kind of ate it. Um, Okay, uh, let's briefly touch on the fact that the Grammy nominations were announced this week. And the most exciting element of this, I think, is that Beyonce is like headed for a record, a new record. She is. She led the 2023 Grammy race with nine nominations. And so this, um, uh, this latest round of nominations makes her the most nominated artist ever tying with her husband Jay-Z both scoring 88 nominations throughout their career mm. uh, and that's it nuts 88 yeah but not surprisingly many, many Grammy nominations have you got just the seven <laughs> just the seven but, Ho- hoping for but, one this year for and, this podcast but I mean it's going to be because Beyonce is so funny she really has given us she's given us loads but she's given us nothing, nothing. she really has just like drop it I'm going, I'm bouncing back here. Yeah. So hopefully she is in her big hangar in Houston, Texas, baby. And she is putting together a huge show. Because I'd say she's going to bring it. She's going to she perform. She better be. She better be. Come on. She didn't we, even, we out, like, she had, just, where are the videos? Give us, where, where's the videos? <laughs> where are they? I desperately, ah, uh, yes. The, we need the visuals. That would be we so great. We need an incredible performance at the Grammys. That's what we need. That's what we need. And then we need an announcement that night of a world tour. And we yes. need, and by we, I mean me, yes. need tickets to said tour. Absolutely. The most expensive ones in Dance the like ex- you know where you're like in the stage that's yeah. what I want yeah yeah we are they're in, the files are in the computer Please. we want to be in the stage Please. so congratulations to Beyonce I hope she is leotarding it up dancing yeah. sweating wearing a giant hat having a great time um, so she's already she's won 28 Grammys and if uh she wins more next year. She could potentially beat conductor George Salty's record of 31 wins. I'm sorry to George. I have not heard. I'm sure you're incredible. Not familiar with And uh, she's currently George. tied to Quincy Jones, who <laughs> I have heard of in second place. So congratulations wow. to everyone nominated. Go on, Beyonce. And then very quickly, I thought this was kind of a funny one. Um, Dolly Parton has gotten a $100 million award from Jeff Bezos. And his girlfriend. Sorry. <clears throat> How dare I? Sorry. That's the girlfriend erasure. And his girlfriend, I we are going to cancel you, Louise. Yeah, so Dolly, we you like her. Adore her. Yes. She has, she saved us all with donating to the COVID-19 uh, um, vaccine, vaccine development. Yeah. Uh, she gave one million dollars. So uh, she was described by the Amazon founder's girlfriend, whose name I have to scroll. I was joking with you now. Lauren Sanchez. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, described as a woman who gives with her heart and leads with love and compassion in every aspect of her work. And it came via the Bezos Courage and Civility Award, mm. uh, which recognizes leaders who pursue solutions with courage and civility. And I wonder, is it tax deductible for Jeff? Yeah, this is the thing, right? So it's interesting because this award was started in 2001 with prizes going to people like Van Jones, who's basically worked similar to Kim Kardashian yeah. in kind of prison reform and was stuff like that. Was to be dating her for a while. Yes, yes, he Initially. certainly was. Um, and then other kind of famous 
philanthropists and yeah. humanitarians and you know that's that's great. I actually wasn't aware that he was doing this. Um, but you and, and I and I obviously love that Dolly's been given a hundred million dollars <laughs> to, to do good yes. things because Dolly historically has done so many good things. I mean, she has a reading program for children, yeah. which means that kids get um books every year all around the world, including in Ireland. Ireland. Yep. She has basically created industry for where she comes from um in, in America in with, via Dollywood and other other enterprises. Like she has continually been generous in terms of trying to do good and and, and create good in the world. So I'm delighted that she got that money. But like you do kind of go, oh, it's kind of a drop in the ocean, isn't it, Jeff? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Although in fairness, no, I not mean, in no, we still, he, we he's still, still treating his workers appallingly. Yeah. And she, but she's going to still, but I did buy a Philips clothes diffuser from Amazon the other look, day. So, okay, look, I can't be saying I line. too <laughs> have purchased from Amazon. Um, and uh, yeah, so Dolly's delighted. She's going to do great things with this. She said, wow, did you say a hundred million dollars? And she said, I think people who are in a position to help should put their money where their heart is. I will do my best to do good things with this money. And amen to you, Dolly. We love you. Well, on that stunning impression, I think we Thank will bid you adieu. Esther Moore Donahue, um, don't forget to listen to Esther and Emer's Sunday Roast with Esther e- and Emer. Emer and Esther's. <laughs> Emer and Esther Sunday Roast with Emer and Esther. Get it right. Sorry. Yes. So that's the new, the latest we're going to do Beyonce. It's going to drop on Sunday. There's no visuals for this <laughs> podcast. But look, please just listen. We review Carvery Dinners, The Length and Breadth of Ireland, Brackets Dublin. This, this is with Emer McGlyson. And yes. honestly, I mean, what more could you want? Um, thank you so much. Thank you, Louise. Now, just about time for me to go. Thank you so much for being with me this week. I really appreciate it. As I said at the start, it's absolutely crucial. In terms of recommendations this week, I haven't been consuming a lot. I won't lie. I would like to recommend Emer and Esther's Sunday Roast with Emer and Esther, which is uh, the podcast by Emer McElisett and Esther Mordon, who both contributors, obviously, to this podcast, where they uh, go for roast dinners and kind of review them and discuss them. It's really good fun. It's very, like, comforting and kind of wholesome. So if you'd like that kind of thing, I definitely recommend and that um, I have just been failing at consuming any culture uh, but I very much look forward to that changing at some stage I feel like I am the personal embodiment currently of it'll all calm down after this week it'll all calm down you know and uh, it's just not happening so maybe I need to restructure my life but anyway we are where we are and we are who we are and we have to sometimes just accept our limitations and that is what I encourage you to do this week be kind to yourself Um, if you're not going to have a week that is ideal if you're facing into something tough treat yourself with kindness take your time just take one step in front of the other and next week will come and I will be back with you next Friday thank you so much to my lovely contributors and to ACAS for having me I will talk to you next week Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.